0: money cannot get you into God's kingdom. Your friends and family cannot get you into God's kingdom. Your physical or mental abilities cannot get you into heaven on their own. And so they should not become your priority. They should never take God's place because only God can help you get into his kingdom. And that happens under his terms, not according to our terms. Jesus Christ is the gatekeeper that God himself has established. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today we'll be talking about the promise of a new and special place. There are many special and unique places throughout the world. There are many places with natural beauty and there are also many wonderful cities across the globe that have beautiful architecture and a wondrous infrastructure. Today's civilization is the most advanced this world has ever seen. Yet despite all of the beauty, artistry and grandeur. Everything that we see will one day go away, but there is a new and eternal place that God will grant entrance to those that love him, a place that we cannot even imagine. Today's message is inspired on the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verses 9 to 27. Let us pray to the Lord. Heavenly Father, holy God, hallowed and glorified be your name. Lord, you are worthy to be praised. Heavenly Father, there is no one like you, O God. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for your love and your grace and your mercy, O Lord, because no one loves us the way that you do, and no one can give us the things that you want to give us. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for your Son, Jesus Christ, because through him we can find eternal life, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, O God, that you please help us, O Lord, to be able to understand and to stay focused on the future, on what truly matters, Lord God, that the here and now will go away someday, but that what you have and who you are will last forever, and that we can be with you forever as well. Heavenly Father, work in our lives, in our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verses 9 to 27. This is part of the revelation God gave to the Apostle John about a certain future. As always, this is the word of the Lord. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come. I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also she had a great and high wall with twelve gates, and twelve angels at the gates, and names written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And he talked with me, had a gold reed, to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height, are equal. Then he measured its wall, one hundred and forty-four cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardinix, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysopras, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day, there shall be no night there, and they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. One of the greatest signs of a country's progress is its construction. That's what we use to define the advancement of a certain country. For instance, many people refer to the greatness of ancient Greece and Rome because of its architecture, because of the different majestic buildings they built. Later on, castles and strongholds would show some country's strength and protection, like the ones you can still find in Europe. Great empires and kingdoms designed and built incredible palaces and gardens that showed what they were capable of. Some years later, and with manufacture of automobiles, cities were being built with great infrastructure construction, such as highways and bridges that connected different areas strategically, so that goods and people could be transported more easily throughout. And with that, there came the creation of skyscrapers, buildings that not only use city space more effectively, but more importantly to man to show even further their great achievement and grandeur. In certain places, you have a bit of a race going on with who can build the most and tallest of these gigantic structures. All the great cities of the world have them, those that are located in countries like China, the United States, United Arab Emirates, and Japan. Hong Kong leads the race with 480 skyscrapers, and the tallest building in the world as of 2010 is the Burj Khalifa in Dubai, standing at an impressive 828 meters or 2,717 feet high that is almost a kilometer and or more than half a mile high. These are all signs of a nation's financial strength and technological advancement. At least, that is what many people observe and think when they see these structures. And many people everywhere travel to see and experience the great cities of the world, to visit their buildings, to enjoy their restaurants and entertainment, and travel through their avenues and streets and outdoor areas. But you know, as great and as majestic as all of these places may seem to us, one day they will all go away. There won't be anything left. Society in this world will end as we know it someday. There will come a time when everything that has been built by the hands of man will be destroyed forever. That is a certain reality the Bible speaks about. There is an inevitable end that this whole world will face someday. There will be no more great cities or civilizations. The Bible says that this old heaven and earth will all pass and something unimaginable and eternal will be built. The Bible says this in Revelation chapter 21. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. From a human perspective, it is unfortunate but it is a reality. You and I one day will go away and be no more on this earth. The end, whether globally or at an individual level, is inevitable. But this is where we need to hang on to a greater and more worthwhile truth. Even though this world will end someday, and that we all know that this place is not perfect, there is something else greater and eternal that is coming. Through Christ, we have a hope of a new and different place, That is what the key passage we read explains. The Bible talks about this new place in different ways, but ultimately, it is referring to something far superior to what we know here. God gave the Apostle John a vision, a representation of what is coming, but this new and better place is truly unimaginable. John tried to explain what he saw with what he knew at the moment. He tried to describe it with things he was familiar with, But there are more than likely things that cannot be accurately explained by anyone. He was just trying to give us an idea through the divine revelation. Here, for instance, is an account of what this new place will be like in the future where it says, Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crime. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write For these words are true and faithful. This is the thing we need to keep in mind, and especially if we want truly the best. We do need to deal with this present world and all of its imperfections. That's unavoidable. And the guarantee we have through Jesus Christ is that we do not have to do it all alone. He can be in our life, within our heart, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But also, and if we do take advantage of having the Lord in our lives, We do have that hope, that promise of this new place we're reading about. And we should live our lives in such a way that we can become ready to receive and or to be able to enter this eternal perfection that is coming. If we choose to just live for this world and its delights, then that's all we're going to get. There will be nothing else to look forward to. And we know where people go when they choose to live according to this world, according to the satanic influence and direction that now is in the present age. Yes, it's the opposite about what we're reading about. Hell is also a difficult place to describe, but it is everything opposite to what God is offering through Jesus Christ. And as a matter of fact, God did not make hell for mankind. That was not his intention The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 25, Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So you see, God prepared the everlasting fire for the devil and his angels, or his demons. But there will be many people that will be sent there because they chose to follow the way of the devil and his angels. That is what happens when you live for this world and for the things of this world. Ultimately, a person sends themselves there out of their own free will. That's all their decision. But things don't have to be like that. That's not the future God really wants for anyone. And that's why he made the way of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that opportunity is open for anyone that really wants it. God is just that good. We don't deserve salvation. He didn't owe it to us. He gives us the opportunity out of his own free will to all mankind. Revelations chapter 21 also says this, and he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give it the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. We can enter that perfect place God has made if we choose for him, if we overcome this world through Jesus Christ, if we live for him. These are all promises made by God himself, to all mankind, but there must be a decision, there must be a true faith, a true desire, and a true following. The Bible tells us that Abraham, for instance, lived in such a way that he was always looking to this eternal hope. Hebrews 11 says, "'By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called "'to go out to the place which he would receive "'as an inheritance, and he went out, "'not knowing where he was going. "'By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Jesus also spoke of this place, and that he was preparing it for us, for those that love him and are faithful to him. John chapter 14 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. There are promises we can take to heart. These are things we can hold on to and should hold on to because God is promising them and he can be trusted. The Lord also said this in Matthew chapter six, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Like we said before, this world is going away and everything in it, including you and me. This world is temporary and it's far from perfect. And since we're getting closer and closer to the end, I don't like saying this, but things will not get any easier. They will become even more challenging as time progresses, and everything here and now is vulnerable. No matter where you keep your money, anything can happen to it. You can put it in a bank and it may get stolen or erased at a click of a button, thanks to modern technology. You can put your money at home somewhere and many things can happen to it there also. Just like the scripture says, thieves can break in and steal, or a fire can happen, whatever. I hate to say it, but sometimes even your own family can steal from you. It happens every day. Everything in this world is vulnerable to the elements and to people that don't have good intentions. Nothing is safe here. That's why the Lord is helping us focus on what is not vulnerable, on a place where our deposit is secure. No one can get at what God has in store for those that love him. There is no safer place and there is no better place. And that is why it should make sense to us to invest in the Lord and invest more of our time and resources in his kingdom because his kingdom is much better than all of this that we see and experience now and it is eternal. Say you can live 100 years in this world, but eternity is much longer than 100 years. And once those 100 years are done, they will seem like a blur, like a moment in time. There may be some of you that might say or think, why can't I do what I want here and now and get into God's kingdom also? Why can't I have both? And the answer is that you cannot please two masters because this world has one master and the universe has a different master. Obviously a master that is greater than this world's master. This is what Jesus said, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon means riches. And riches can be many things, not just money. It can be financial wealth. It could be your health. It could be your family and friends. These are also riches. And what's worse, many people choose to not only serve their riches, but they turn them into idols by giving them priority over God. And the practical problem with that is that as good as those things may be, because they within themselves can even be blessings from God. They're not evil. They cannot get you into God's kingdom. Money cannot get you into God's kingdom. Your friends and family cannot get you into God's kingdom. Your physical or mental abilities cannot get you into heaven on their own. And so... They should not become your priority. They should never take God's place because only God can help you get into his kingdom, and that happens under his terms, not according to our terms. Jesus Christ is the gatekeeper that God himself has established. The Bible says this, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. This is why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This was a great claim to be made by a man. But Jesus Christ was not just a man. Jesus Christ was and is God taking on human form so that he could pay for the sins of all mankind. The Lord showed through his many mighty works that he was much more than a man, much more than a prophet, that he was in fact the Almighty incarnate. He was and is life. He even raised the dead like Lazarus that had been already buried for four days. There had been other instances where God had worked through the prophets certain resurrections, but nothing like what Christ did. And of course, also Jesus died on the cross. And although he died on the cross, the grave could not hold him there. Death could not overcome him. For he himself was raised from the dead at the third day. This is the practical reason for why Jesus Christ must become the Lord of our life, so he can lead us through our physical death and into the eternal life that only he can give. He must be our master and Lord, and we must follow what he tells us to do, so that as he overcame and is now sitting at the right hand of God as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, we too can live forever and reign together for him for all eternity, living in this perfect place that is prepared and waiting for those that love him and that earnestly seek after him. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, But as it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. That is why change is important. We must be transformed and changed into the person he wants us to be for our own good. We need to be transformed. We need to effectively let go of everything that gets in our way of following him. We need to release those things within us and around us that hinder our walk with him. Those things are not only unnecessary, but they cause harm. lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. If you want to enter the kingdom of God, you need to let go of your sin by repenting and converting from all of it. This doesn't mean that you'll be perfect right away. What it means is that you are turning away from all of it and asking Christ to become the effective Lord of your life so he can lead you through this with his word and empowerment of the Holy Spirit, so that you can effectively start letting go of things through time. We can't change on our own. We cannot do things on our own strength. What belongs to us though, is the decision, the desire, the will to want to change, to want to be transformed, and to then lean and trust in the Holy Spirit for his empowerment and leadership as he guides us through the word of God so that we can effectively become ready for the kingdom of God that is coming very soon. We have the promise of a new and eternal place, but we need to live for the Lord by giving up our sin, by overcoming the world and doing those things that perpetuate life and bring honor and glory to him. This is what God himself said, For those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me, shall be lightly esteemed. When we follow the things of this world, which in turn follow the devil, then we will receive the reward that comes with that. This is why it is not in our best interest to follow that, because there's no life in it. There's only deceit and death. Sin never gave life to anything. On the contrary, the nature of sin is death, for the wages of sin is death. That is why we must understand what sin is. We cannot turn a blind eye to sin. We cannot make like it is not there. And we certainly cannot pretend as if it does not cause any harm. That is how the devil tries to brainwash people through the ways of the world. The world says just do whatever makes you happy and that everything will be fine. But that's not true. Just because we enjoy something does not mean that it does not have the ability to cause us harm. We need to understand what it is, and if it aligns with God's will for us. God's will is life to us, eternal life. And even if God's will may bring about our physical death, it is then truly the best because dying for the Lord brings about eternal life. We may lose the battle, but the war for our soul is won. The Lord said, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. If we want to inherit eternal life, if we want to enter the kingdom of God, We must do as the Lord says, and overcome the world by obeying the supreme authority of the universe. We must do as the Almighty says we should do, no matter what, at whatever cost. Who cares about gaining this temporary world when you could have an eternal place that is perfect in every way and live forever in it? The choice is yours. For your sake, I hope you choose wisely, repent, and convert from all your sins completely and fully and accept the Lord Jesus Christ into your life today if you haven't done so yet. And follow him all the days of your life so that you can save your life forever and gain immortality and eternity. You're the only one that can give you those things. The kingdom of God is not only worth living for, but also if necessary, it is also worth dying for. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for your love and your mercy and your grace, O oh Lord. I give you thanks, O oh Lord, that we have an incredible hope through you, through your Son, Jesus Christ, an unmerited hope. Lord, your salvation is through grace. Thank you, O oh Lord, because you were so gracious with us. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the way of salvation that you have made through Jesus Christ by dying on the cross. And that because he was raised from the dead, one day we will also be raised from the dead and we will live forever with him, with you. Heavenly Father, thank you because you love us so much. Thank you, O Lord, because again, we have this wonderful hope of being in that perfect place, where everything will be left behind, everything that we see. All the pain and suffering and sadness and loneliness that we feel here will all be gone that day. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks because we always have the future to look forward to. Lord God, your future is incredibly bright, unimaginable. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks again because you truly love us and you care for us. Help us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, to have our eyes set on you, set on Jesus Christ, set on that wonderful place, that one day we will see if we remain faithful to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website, if you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Ladder Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and his truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.